Welcome to the Punk Priestess Podcast. This is your host, Majori, and today we have a very special guest who I'm so excited to have on. Her name is Nina, and she is a California-based writer, artist, and astrologer, as well as the author of three incredible books, Astrology for Life, The Joy of Hex, and a guided astrology journal called Wander the Stars. She runs the Instagram account Valley Girl Mystic and aims to make astrology as fun, accessible, and relatable as possible through her writing, memes, and one-on-one readings. So hello, Nina. It is so great <laughs> to have you. I'm like so excited. <laughs> Hi, Majori. I am so, so excited to be here too. It is a true honor. So thank you so much for having me. I feel like we've been just like Instagram friends for like over a year, maybe two years and like, yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I it's know, like nice I to know. like. <laughs> it's really fun to finally be able to virtually hang out because yeah, we have, I feel like we've been Instagram friends since really when I first started my account. I don't know how we found each other, but I've always loved your vibe so much. And I always felt like, man, I wish I lived nearer to this person because I would love to hang out. And so mm-hmm. I'm glad we get to do this at the very least. <laughs> exactly. I know totally like the same, same situation and like the energy too. Can you tell me your top three, your sun, moon and rising? Yes, I am a Libra sun, Pisces moon, and Scorpio rising. Awesome. And I think that's why we like connected the vibe because I'm an Aries and like Aries and Libras are like the power team, you know, totally. it's like best energy. Like opposites in the Zodiac, but opposites are always a, such a duo, you know, opposites attract vibes. So I have a lot of close Aries friends. Mm-hmm. which I feel like contributed to why we instantly vibe. Exactly. Like we get it. We get it. Yeah. My sister's a Libra. Many of my best friends are Libra. So it's like, Oh, how yeah. cool. It's like, and I'm a Libra rising. So I feel like, you know, I kind of can get in oh, the energy. <laughs> I didn't know that. I love that so much. I feel like Libra risings are always so friendly and sweet and personable. I've never met a Libra rising who wasn't a freaking sweetheart who I instantly wanted to be friends with. Seriously. And yeah, I guess that's me. That's <laughs> but, you. That's you. <laughs> that's me, I guess. I think it's a good rising sign. I definitely think it's a good rising sign. <laughs> For sure. So actually, like speaking about signs, so do you have like a favorite sign and then like a least favorite sign? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. No, I really, I honestly don't. And that's not just me being an overly diplomatic Libra who doesn't want to make a decision. <laughs> Although I'm guilty of that very often, I'll admit it. I really feel like I have phases where I will get really into a particular zodiac sign's energy. I've had, you know, I used to have this vendetta against like cancer men just because I seriously, I had so many intense unrequited crushes on cancer boys when I was a teenager. It seemed like every one of my long-term crushes was some cancer dude who just would never make it happen with me. Mm -hmm. So I kind of eventually was like, okay, there's something about cancer dudes that I just need to stay away from them and I don't like them anymore. But it's funny because I you know, I have right now I'm in a phase where, you know, obviously it's cancer season, but I have just been so obsessed with cancer energy and appreciating its qualities in a totally new way. And I feel like this really happens to me often. Like I will just, you know, I think it's just different phases in our lives. Maybe it's how certain energy is hitting my chart personally, but Mm -hmm. as somebody who's constantly studying the archetypes of the Zodiac, I really genuinely feel like 
my favorites change all the time. Like I don't, I don't have favorites. I just really go through phases where I'm like deeply appreciating and resonating with a certain sign's energy. And it's funny because cancer is totally right now. I'm like really, really hardcore into cancer season, loving the Mm -hmm. cancer energy and really appreciating the cancerian vibes that are in my chart and in, you know, in the people around me. So yeah. yeah, so I don't have to be, I'm sorry to be said to No, it's okay. <laughs> I always ask, no, like definitely a couple of things you said definitely resonated with me too, because I go through phases as well. Like I used to have such a hard time understanding the Virgo energy and mm. I, like even like Virgo people. I was like, you know, I never get along with Virgos, like Aries and Virgos just don't, yeah. like, you know, and it's just like, that's not true. Um, <laughs> but totally. And then it's totally. kind of like, yeah, like your life changes. And like, now I have like some really close Virgo friends and it's just kind oh, of interesting. like- aligning with that energy. And then for the cancer, I also have dated cancer men in my life too. So I can attest to like (laughs) the frustration, especially like air signs. Like we're both cardinal signs, like Aries and Libra. Like you need that interaction. And I feel like cancers, especially cancer men, like they're just not the best communicators sometimes. And it's like, we, we can't get that. And it's hard. You know? Yeah, it is. And it's interesting you say that because it makes me think of a sort of low key theory that I have is that, you know, cancer is this really beautifully maternal energy that is so deeply emotional, so much about care and community and connection through emotions. And unfortunately in our society, I really feel that those are all qualities that men are not typically taught to embody and embrace because they are thought of as more feminine qualities. I hate to gender anything, but just, I'm talking really generally, just like stereotypically, you know? So I do wonder if sometimes cancer energy in people who are raised in a really stereotypically masculine way, if they're, if they struggle to express their true cancerian, caring, emotionally in tune qualities, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, that is completely true. I think that's definitely a good like connection there. Yeah. And it's just like, it's such a sensitive energy. So nurturing and I have a cancer midheaven and I'm totally like my whole life is like totally dictated by that placement. So it's very psychic and intuitive and which is why like the tarot stuff is like really big for me. But, um, Yeah. yeah. And I feel like, you know, with the masculinity, like we sometimes forget that it also is intuitive because we're always concluding like femininity with intuition when it's also like masculine energy is also can be intuitive. It just doesn't have to be like aggressive or like this physical thing. So that's actually, yeah, probably there's like a lot of emotions in there with like the cancer men and it's just like, how do you express them? So Yeah. (laughs) yeah. But yeah, can you kind of tell me about your astrology journey? So how did like you get inspired by astrology? Just like take me back to like, you know, young you, young Nina, and like figuring out like everything. And then kind of like, how did that lead you to where you are today? Oh, this is fun. I feel like I haven't really told my astrology origin story very often, to be quite honest with you. So um, (laughs) basically, I was always into astrology in a very like, I was excited to read horoscopes type of way. Um, I remember growing up, I was really into teen magazines and at the back of every teen magazine, there was always a horoscope section. So I was probably pretty young when I discovered and I was always into knowing everybody's sign. I knew all of my friends' zodiac signs when I was really young and I was just into reading horoscopes, really. I didn't even know that we had any signs in our chart other than uh, our zodiac sign, which obviously is our sun sign, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't until I was in college that I 
got an astrology book and I actually started learning a little bit more about astrology beyond just sun sign horoscopes. And that's when I discovered that I had a Pisces moon. And that really opened my mind to a lot because just reading about the very stereotypical archetypes of a Pisces moon, I resonated with it so deeply. And it really was sort of a mirror that helped me see and embrace these other more sensitive parts of myself. So I was like, wow, there is so much more to this than I initially thought. And then when I discovered that my rising sign was Scorpio, that was this whole mind-blowing thing too. (laughs) Um, So yeah, and then I would say it was around the time of my, you know, I, I was I was into ast- astrology through then and I, you know, started exploring my own birth chart more and, you know, Googling all of the placements in my chart and um, really through my 20s, it was just sort of a journey of learning more and more on my own. And it was around my Saturn return that I started getting a lot more serious about studying astrology and actually getting into like aspects and analyzing charts and, you know, it's sort of one of those fields of study where the more you learn, the less you feel like you know, just <laughs> yes. so incredibly vast. It is. And there's still so much more for me to learn. I'm learning new things all the time. And um, so, yeah, it was around my Saturn return that I kind of got more serious about it. And it's been a, a big focus in my life ever since. I, um, I'm an astrology writer with Bustle, and so, you know, I I write about astrology all the time, and I, yeah, so it's it's been a journey, and it's also sort of in my family history a little bit, which I embraced more. Um, My uncle is a professional astrologer, and my grandmother, actually, uh, on my father's side, she had an astrology-based business. She actually had her own like stock analysis business and it used this particular system that was based on astrology so I actually have astrology books and like an astrology poster that has like a chart on it that belonged to my grandmother which is so cool and special and I wish she was still alive so that I could talk to her about astrology but Mm -hmm. um yeah you know I I don't feel like it was my family that got me into it but now that I am doing astrology for a career, I feel more interconnected with this sort of ancestral thing. Like I feel more connected to my grandmother and, you know, just the fact that I'm practicing an interpretive art that was such a big part of her life and her journey and is, you know, my uncle as well. It feels kind of like, wow, I guess it's like I'm a third generation astrologer, yeah. which, <laughs> you know, I, it's not something that I like consciously chose to do. Like I'm following my family path, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like that. But now kind of being able to look back on it, I feel I, I connect to that even more. That is so cool. That is an incredible story. And like, just even have the family influence and background is just so cool. And it's like, yeah, sometimes like we don't know until we start doing that family research, especially such a cancer thing with the ancestry and like the history It's such a cancer thing coming up. But (laughs) it is like, definitely like you just find all these like connections. It's like in my family history, like some connections with fashion. I'm like a fashion designer today. And then knowing that my um, grandmas and my great grandmas were like very intuitive and like that's maybe where my intuition comes from but it's like so fascinating how like there are these little bits and pieces of our family and ancestry that kind of get woven into us and I think that's just so beautiful and that is so cool 
So yeah. Oh, that is, that's so cool that you found those connections too. It's so interesting because it's like sometimes we don't consciously choose. You know, it's not like these family members were mentors of mine, but it mm -hmm. is so cool to be like, huh? They there must have been an influence in some way. There's some yeah. kind of alignment and connection, which is it feels really good. That's so cool. Can you kind of tell me how it is to write about astrology as kind of like a full-time thing? Like, is it like stressful? Is it, is, are you like always constantly like immersed in that world and kind of like, kind of tell me how it is to be a writer as an astrology writer, I guess. That's such a great question because I feel like being an astrologer and an astrology writer is, puts you in such a bizarre headspace. Like I never know what day it is because I'll spend all day writing about next week's transits for example mm -hmm. or next month's transits and so I'm all immersed in like oh this is happening this is happening this is happening and then it's like wait what day is it what when is that happening oh that's not happening for another month like what's happening right now so <laughs> it really warps your perception of time when you're constantly looking at things that are taking place it's crazy because all of these things we're looking at that are happening next month are we're building up to those things right now. So it's mm -hmm. interconnected. But long story short, I feel like I never know what day it is. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, you know, it's sometimes I do feel like I go I, I have this pendulum sort of where sometimes I just want to like forget about what's happening and I don't want to look at things in the context of astrology. So for me, it's important to take breaks. Mm -hmm. because sometimes I just want to, like, for example, I had a really rough eclipse season, this past eclipse season, and it was really mm -hmm. emotional for me. Looking at it from an astrological standpoint, it makes sense because it was hitting some really personal and sensitive parts of my chart. But at the time I was going through it, I really didn't want to analyze it through the lens of astrology. I was like, I just want to feel my feelings and be in the moment and deal with mm -hmm. my relationships and my, you know, my personal stuff that I'm going through. So I also feel like for me, and some astrologers might not feel like this, but for me, I sometimes do have to take breaks and just mm -hmm. step back because I'm like, I don't want to look at this through any kind of lens or mirror or I don't want to apply any symbols to it. I just want to experience things as they are. So you know, sometimes I am like, I have no idea where the moon is right now. <laughs> I usually do just because, you know, mm -hmm. I, I am pretty on top of like full moons and new moons and things like that. But, um, you know, sometimes I'm like, I have no idea what's happening today, but I can tell you exactly what's happening next week because I just mm -hmm. <laughs> dove deep into that. Yeah. So it's kind of like this funny time warping experience that I sometimes have to take mental breaks from. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's really good to set boundaries too, when you're doing this kind of work and like stay present in, in the moment. Cause like you have to live your life. You can't just be like, you know, one place or the other. So that's really good, you know, to hear you say about that. Cause I think for someone who is really spiritual or like a tarot reader, astrologer, like it is, you have to have those boundaries. It's very important. Yes. And cause then you yeah. have this like codependent relationship and it can be very detrimental. <laughs> so yeah. Right. I agree. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's all, it's awesome when you love what you do for work, 
-hmm. but it's also, you know, for me, work astrology is so interrelated to my job and my work that I have to have work-life boundaries. That doesn't mean I consider astrology only my work life. Obviously, it's a big part of my personal life. And, you know, it ties in with my spirituality and it, it's a meaningful practice to me. But um, yeah, you don't always want to, you know, you don't want everything to always be about one thing. So mm -hmm. I, you know, I like to have a little space sometimes between like, I don't know how my charts being affected by XYZ thing. I don't know. I didn't look. I'm just living my life and sharing information. And, you know, mm -hmm. other times, obviously, I'm like, oh my God, what's going on with me? Well, you know, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not perfect, but, you know, sometimes I'm like, I have no idea how that's affecting my chart. I literally haven't looked. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And some transits or like retrogrades hit you harder than others. Like this past Mercury retrograde wasn't that crazy for me. But, you know, oh, so it's kind of like not get so much into the hype, which I think social media sometimes like pushes on you. Like, oh my God, things you have to Absolutely. do for like, you know, the next like new moon and like this yep. transit is going to do this to you. And it's like, well, you know, that's very general <laughs> compared Absolutely. to like, you know, but I'm like really big and like every month I will look at my transit chart kind of see what's happening. Cool. I'm not going to get like, sometimes like last night I was like looking really into like all my aspects and how they were transiting, but I usually don't do that. Cause it's like, you need to stay kind of in your own life and see how things figure out and not be so like, oh my gosh, like this transit's happening. Like it means like, you know, whatever. So, cause it can be yeah. stressful and it's like, you know, just live your life. It can be. <laughs> yeah. Especially for people who are anxious I think I, I'm an anxious person I struggle with anxiety so I always know if I'm getting into an anxious thing with looking at my chart where I'm like oh I'm anxious about this thing that's happening so I'm obsessing over certain transits that are taking place around it and that's when I'm like okay Nina you need to step back here and <laughs> you know sometimes it's nice for me personally to look at things in retrospect and kind of use the astrology as a mirror to help me process what's going on and kind of gain an extra insight to it. But whenever I'm attaching too much to it, I'm like, okay, no, that's not, I gotta, <laughs> it's a tool. It's not the yes. be all end all, you know? So yeah. yeah, gotta keep that in check, but you're right. Like on Instagram, it is, it is intense because things do get really sensationalized because it's like not every Mercury retrograde is going to totally throw your schedule in a blender and mm -hmm. screw things up for you. You know, not every eclipse is going to change your whole life trajectory, but some of them probably will. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so it's like, it really depends on where it's happening in your chart and there's no one size fits all with astrology. It's a great guide, but you know, certain things are going to hit people in a really different way than they'll hit other people. Mm -hmm, exactly. And also speaking about Instagram and social media, can you kind of tell me how Valley Girl Mystic came about and like your inspiration for that? Because it's such a cool name, by the way. And you've grown oh, tremendously. You. Like I remember following you in the beginning and then now you, like you just blew up. I think it's incredible. And like your aesthetic is so Libra. <laughs> I oh. love it. <laughs> I love Thank it. It's like you. the most Libra aesthetic and it's just so like beautiful and pleasing. And like, so I just kind of want to hear kind of your inspiration behind Valley Girl Mystic. Oh, thanks for saying that. Yeah, I feel like you probably followed me when I had like a few hundred followers, honestly. You are OG with <laughs> as far as my followers go, for sure. Yeah, I started that uh, in, let's see, it was 
March, 2020, it was literally like two weeks before everything shut down in 2020, which actually was, at least for the account, kind of helpful because I all of a sudden didn't have a social life and I had more time to just (laughs) sit around and meme and create content and, you know, do that kind of thing. But I really, so I had my personal Instagram account, which I just don't even look at anymore, really. Um, And I decided I kind of wanted a place where I could just really creatively express myself and talk about astrology and, you know, try to build a little bit of a platform for myself as an astrologer and an astrology writer. Because my personal account, it was just kind of like, a lot of the people who followed me there were like from old jobs, or you Mm -hmm. know how it goes, random family members, people who were not probably interested in any of the astrological stuff I was trying to say. And I also was like trying to, you know, I loved memeing and creating content. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go for this. But it's really, you know, I had to get over a lot of self-consciousness making that account because, Mm. you know, there's always that inner voice that's like, who do you think you are like starting this meme account? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you know, I just kind of got into it. And it was honestly like a huge, awesome creative outlet for me, especially throughout, you know, the whole year of being fairly isolated. And um, I'm so amazed by how it's grown. And I'm so touched by all of the awesome people that I've connected with, like you. I mean, I've just connected with so many amazing people who I really admire and look up to. And I'm just really, at this point, I'm just really honored to be able to share information that people resonate with and that makes people feel seen and heard and more understood. And that helps people understand themselves. And that's really, I I know it sounds super cheeseball, but (laughs) I, I really like, not only a really fun outlet, but I'm so touched by, I think the responses that I've gotten from people who seem to really enjoy the stuff that I'm making. So it's really a win-win and I feel super, super blessed. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I think one of your accounts is like, it's one of my favorites, like honestly the best because there's so many, um, there's a lot of astrology, like the presence on astrology and social media is it's like enormous. And I kind of do want your opinion on that because I feel like great that, you know, there's like this community, but there's also, I feel like the bad side of that, or, you know, it's kind of like a lot of misinformation or, you Mm -hmm. know, especially if like some of these meme accounts, they're only like really talking about sun science. So they're still on that narrative, like, you know, all areas are angry and it's like, no, that's not true. And, you know, so I feel like there's a lot of misinformation that goes along with that. And that kind of then gets filtered in, the opinions of people in society who are not really in that field. Yes. It kind of creates these stereotypes that I think are not helpful. So I guess, yeah, absolutely. kind of like, what do you think about the other <laughs> like astrology, like accounts on social? Yeah, there are some amazing accounts that are so informational and so educational. And then of course, you know, one thing I think of is TikTok. I feel like I come mm-hmm. across so much stuff on TikTok that is so not even just generalized, but also just kind of ridiculous. I'm just like, what? (laughs) Like, okay, this is a funny example. Just the other day, my little 
11 year old cousin was in town. She's a cancer and she's awesome. She's like the most like mature, cool tween I've ever met, but (laughs) she, she has my astrology book. And so I guess she was kind of like browsing through it and getting into Zodiac signs a little bit. And she was telling me about some TikTok or something that she watched that was like talking about the most dangerous Zodiac signs. And she's like, yeah, cancer was at the top of the list of the most dangerous. And I was just thinking like, (laughs) what on earth is most dangerous? dangerous zodiac signs like and also the fact that cancer was topping that list I was like uh no I feel like seriously I was like that's a great example of these you know kind of viral TikToks where it's just I guess my thoughts are I think that the internet is so saturated with content these days and TikTok that I think a lot maybe not just astrology I think a lot of different industries are experiencing this sort of like wave of misinformation and confusion and overgeneralization because things like TikTok and Twitter and social media in general, there's really not a lot of room for nuance. So we'll just have a tweet that says, you know, Aries moons are X, Y, Z. Or, you know, and there Mm -hmm. will just be these statements. And it's like, that maybe that can be true, but it's also, there is so, astrology is so inherently nuanced. There's nothing Mm -hmm. not nuanced about it, you know? So it's really hard, I think, with any of these, any of these subjects to reduce it down to these, you know, one sentence tweets or these, you know, viral shareable images or TikToks that are 15 seconds long. It's just really hard. And I think it just naturally this like, you know, the kind of content hype machine we all have to exist within. I think it really is just sort of a byproduct of it. Mm -hmm. So, and I have to check myself on that too, because there's, you know, there's like all kinds of stuff that I follow and look at that's not astrology related but maybe related to other topics that I'm not as well versed in and you know I always have to remind myself like okay just because it's a shareable image that went viral doesn't mean that fact is true Mm -hmm. yes and you know I I feel like I see this with like social justice related issues a lot Mm -hmm. like there was some stuff going around you know just like where it's like something says something or it says to like you know, donate to a certain thing. But then if you don't do your research, you find out like, oh, that wasn't the best place to give my money or that was, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. I think it, I think it affects so many different realms. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of a reminder to not believe everything you see on the internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like find a credible source and too. And it's also mm-hmm. like questioning who you're getting your information from. And yeah, even for me too, it's like crystals are having their moment. I think crystals are like astrology. It's yes. like, it's, you know, it's in it, but like crystals are like on the up and up. And it's like, especially on TikTok, there's so much in- misinformation about crystal stuff. Like citrine is like amethyst and it's like, no, it's right. completely different. Like, it's so crazy. And I just like want to scream. <laughs> and then, cause you know, there's a lot of fakes out there and it's, you know, kind of yeah. like you really need to make sure you're, you know, going to like a credible source and like, you know, yes, there, of course, there's definitely yes. a lot of knowledgeable, credible, you know, I mean, you know, we're on there, like, you know, on social media and stuff. Of course, you know, you will find those people, but there's also a lot of people who are like, oh, this is a cool, like, topic. I don't know anything about it, but let me say something. And it's like, oh, that's, you know, not maybe the best thing to do. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I I totally agree. That's why I think it's so important to find astrologers or crystal experts or 
tarot experts or, you know, whatever it is you're interested in, find people whose work you really trust and like, Mm -hmm. look into what they have to say, look into it, you know, and, and and not just the first thing that pops up on your for you page, because that's not always going to be, you know, just because it's viral doesn't mean it's accurate. So I think it's important to find people to follow who you actually trust their vibe and trust what they have to say. And it's just, that's, that's kind of one way that I think it's mm-hmm. easier to avoid the onslaught of random shit. Basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, so I'm gonna like jump the conversation a little bit. And I want to talk about Saturn returns. So you kind of mentioned that you were going that you did you already go through yours was yours in like, I did. Capricorn? Yeah, I'm I'm 32. And I'm um, actually I uh, Saturn, my Saturn is at the very, very last degrees of Sagittarius. Oh, okay. So, All right. Yeah. Got it. So I've been, I've been out the other side for a little while now. Okay. You're like, you're in the clear, but cause I'm, I'm in going, the clear. <laughs> I'm going through mine. Mine's in, um, Aquarius. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Happy Saturn return. <laughs> Thanks, I guess. <laughs> how is it going? How is it going so far? Like, have you, do you feel it manifesting? I mean, you're starting a new job. That's kind of maybe a big deal. I don't know. Is it yeah. A big deal? Yeah. So pretty much like, um, it's been kind of hard. So like when Saturn went into Aquarius, like briefly in 2020, um, it was transiting my fourth house and my natal transits in the fifth house. So it's transiting in the fifth now. But um, with that transition, I moved like three times uh, last year. So wow, um, because of like COVID stuff and like I got like two new apartments um, last year. And um, so there's definitely a lot of movement with the fourth house energy of home and spending like more time with my family. So that like definitely happened. And then when it went into the fifth house in March and my natal placement, like it's the fifth house is about creative self-expression, true love and romance, trying to be seen, creativity. But it's been like totally a huge like moment for my work. And it's like, in order to have those things work in your life, like the, the relationships, the creativity and everything, the expression of self, you have to know your worth. And that has yes. been tested. And I was in like a horrible, toxic work environment and that really tested my worth. And even though it was like such some of the most like difficult time of my life, like the past couple months, it was like also the most beneficial because now I'm like at this level where like, I will not accept anything lower than like, you know, these things. So it's kind of like, it's pushed me. And I mean, I still have, I'm only in the beginning um, stages of my Saturn return. Right. <laughs> I still have like another two right. years to go, but it's definitely, I didn't really understand the lesson of like the fifth house, but now I'm starting to see that transit kind of. Yeah. So that is that is so powerful and and what you're saying about knowing your worth and not accepting less than that that's so huge and when i think of the fifth house i also think of passion and joy and your heart you know because it's affiliated with leo energy right and the sun energy so i really think about your heart and and honoring honoring your heart respecting yourself and um and making more room in your life for all of the joy and passion that you deserve. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I I think that those, you know, just that theme of self-worth is, is really huge in Saturn return in general. I feel like I can relate to that too. Just learning a lot about what am I willing to tolerate and why, you know, Mm -hmm. am I putting Mm -hmm. up with toxic work situations? Am I putting up with, 
relationships that aren't respecting my boundaries? Am I even setting my own boundaries Mm -hmm. properly? Boundaries were a big thing for me. I learned a lot about boundaries and being willing to set them and learning how to set them, which is something that I think didn't necessarily come naturally to me. I've, I've struggled with being able to say, you know, even if it's something as simple as saying, oh, I don't want to go out tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm yeah. somebody who, if my friend is like, come on, why? I'm like, okay, fine. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so yeah. even something as simple and shallow as that, but also in relationships too. Um, so anyway, I, I, I feel like that's really cool that you're already distilling some of these lessons that you're, that mm-hmm. you're learning. And, you know, that's, I think being present and willing to grow and willing to step up to the challenges can make your Saturn return a lot easier. I mean, it's not, I don't, I don't know if it's ever easy, easy, but I think, you know, doing the kind of stuff that you just described, like really being present with what you're learning and being willing to make changes and challenge yourself is kind of milking your Saturn return for exactly what it's good for, which is Mm -hmm. helping you grow and helping you overcome these obstacles that you maybe have been avoiding or have, have not been willing to really face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely like you have to work with the Saturn energy, no matter how difficult it is, because it is like, I think one of the most difficult planets and you know, it's, it's difficult for a reason, but it's like, if you're like, okay, like, let's like hold hands through this together, even though you're going to push me and stress me out and it's going to be horrible. <laughs> yes. Like I know you have a plan for me, but yeah, it's, it's definitely like been a lot of blessings in disguise so far. So we'll kind of see what the rest of like the return will bring and like how I'll explore that fifth house. Um, totally. But, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. And like all the career stuff too, and kind of seeing the traje- trajectory of like my twenties, like when I got into this career at 21 and then being 29 now, and it's like, wow, like, you know, some wow. aspects grew and some didn't. And it's like, well, why hasn't that growth happened? And it's like, well, this is Saturn's <laughs> kind of showing you, this is why the growth, you know, and the certain parts, yes. you know, haven't happened. And it's like, now I'm like, um, you know, the opportunities are lining up and it's, it's interesting. Oh, that's so but, cool. Yeah. And that's the thing is there is, you know, Saturn return isn't just about all, it, it isn't just about challenges. It's also about establishing yourself too. Mm-hmm. So there, there can be amazing opportunities and just kind of leveling up during your Saturn return too. It's not just about, oh my God, who am I? My life is falling apart. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm totally rebuilding myself. You know, it's, there's usually a little bit of that kind of crisis moment, but um, it's also, you know, it's a time where we're leveling up and like being mm-hmm. our, stepping into our power and, and being more responsible for ourselves. So yeah. Yeah. What was like the best part of your Saturn return or, or like, I guess maybe like a turning moment where you're like, okay, like, you know, I, I'm seeing the light or I'm not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was, you know, I came to, I feel like I had a lot of what felt like breaking points during my Saturn return where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was obviously feeling like that can be really scary because when you're at a breaking point, it's time to make a change. You have Mm -hmm. to make a change. You feel like you don't have a choice, but to make a change, but making change can be really, really scary and intimidating. Um, I think the biggest and most exciting thing was that I, I did make changes in my life that I was afraid to do. 
And being able to say that I did those things there and, and not even all of these things are huge deals, but you know, this is one random thing, but I started running. I'm so I like run for like exercise and like going jogs outside. And I seriously, I'm not an athletic person. I don't like exercising. I'm super lazy. Honestly, I like to lay around. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's uh, this series of things like I, I really wanted to like, do something good for my mental health. I really wanted to take advantage of the fact that I live in a really beautiful area near the water. And my brother was like, start running. Why don't you run? You need to run. You need to like, you know, get some movement and, and it's really good for your mental health. And those endorphins are going to make you feel better. And um, so I, I started doing that. And I seriously, I cannot believe that I go on runs and I don't even do anything crazy. I'm not like a marathon runner, but I'm telling mm -hmm. you majority, like I, just being able to say, wow, I did that. Like I, I go on jogs now and I really enjoy them. And I feel awesome after I do them. Like I never in a thousand years thought that I'd be somebody who like can go on a run. Seriously. <laughs> that's and, awesome. So, yeah. So I mean, that's just like such a silly little simple thing. And there were also bigger things like getting the astrology writing job at Bustle and really going for it and like mm -hmm. being willing to be like, okay, like I'm going to pursue writing full time mm -hmm. and, um, you know, putting myself out there more creatively and like doing more art. I mean, this isn't related to astrology, but like, you know, I really leaned into doing more art during my Saturn return, which was something that I really had this weird emotional block and self-consciousness about. And so really learning that I could do the things that I didn't think I could do. Mm -hmm. The breaking points that came before that were really difficult. But when you, there's something so empowering about making changes in your life on your terms and mm -hmm. not just waiting for things to happen to you. And there's something to be said about waiting for things to happen, right? Because sometimes things happen at just the right time and the universe sort of seems to have this mystical plan for us. However, there is something so empowering about just being like, I'm doing this, I'm taking this risk, I'm trusting mm -hmm. that it's going to work out and really leaning into that and proving to myself that, no, I can, I can do hard things and I can make changes in my life. Mm -hmm. That was such an empowering lesson because I genuinely didn't feel like I knew that in my heart before that. I, I wow. didn't, I, I didn't embrace that. I was really afraid to make certain changes in my life and put myself out there in certain ways and take certain types of risks. And my Saturn re return sort of forced me to do some of those things. And mm -hmm. it, it was something that I really try not to forget that we can do hard stuff and we can take risks and we can make changes and we're usually going to land on our feet. Like it's going to be okay. Yeah. Life sort of has a way of unfolding. It might not go exactly as we planned, but it's sort of like that cheesy saying, jump in the net will appear. Like we have, there's some <laughs> element of trust. We always have to have when we change something and take a risk because you never know, but mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. And it's, so been, you know, it worked out, worked out for you. What, um, what, uh, house was it transiting in your Saturn return? It was, I have Saturn in my second house. Okay. And, um, okay. Yeah. So Sagittarius though is like, I, my rising is at uh, 25 degrees of Scorpio. So mm -hmm. even though my rising sign is technically in Scorpio, most of my first house is dominated with uh, Sagittarius. So I guess like when it was in my first house is when that energy started being activated because mm -hmm. even though Saturn's in my second, like, you know, 
when Saturn returns to the sign that your natal Saturn is in, you kind of start feeling it. Yes. Typically, as mm-hmm. soon as it's in that sign and approaching. So, um, so yeah. So it's interesting because technically it's my second house, which is worth, value, money, belonging. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, it's not too unexpected that I had a sort of moment where I changed careers and took a risk yes, and pursued something that was more in line with what my passions were. Um, but then also the fact that I think maybe I started feeling that Saturn return while Saturn was in my first house, um, mm-hmm. which was very personal and, you know, yeah. So it's interesting because kind of thinking about it now, it's like making these changes that were for me, like mm-hmm. creatively, in my, my relationships, my life, you know, it was, um, it was very personal and it was intense. Yeah. But, like creating uh, like a new sense of self with like that first house, like energy and that kind of geared yeah. you to like, okay, well, how do I want to make money from this? <laughs> so, totally. Totally. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So is there any predictions in astrology, maybe either like, you know, it could be this year or like, you know, in the next year, like 2022 that you are kind of, oh my gosh, like this is going to be major or like kind of like on the horizon that you maybe want to talk about? Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know if it's a prediction necessarily, but um, just a transit that I think is exciting that we can kind of look forward to is um, Jupiter transiting through Pisces. So Mm -hmm. you probably know this, but Jupiter is currently in Pisces. It's sort of like dipped into Pisces over the past couple months, but it's retrograde. So it only made it through to the first couple degrees and now it's retrograding and it's going to be going back into Aquarius, I think in July, if I'm not mistaken. So um, we're sort of getting this little taste test between May and July of what's to come for like the first half of 2022 with Jupiter. Mm -hmm. And the reason I think Jupiter in Pisces is so exciting is because Jupiter is the traditional ruler of Pisces. So in traditional astrology, before we knew Neptune was even a planet, Mm -hmm. Jupiter was the planetary ruler of Pisces. So it's sort of a homecoming in that way. Jupiter feels very comfortable in Pisces. And, you know, Pisces is this very cool, dreamy, transcendental energy. Um, You know, it's represented by the fish. So it's very free flowing, mutable vibe. That's just really, you know, emotions, art, spirituality, all of these things are very Piscean themes. So Mm -hmm. when Jupiter, which is the planet of good luck and fortune and growth and abundance. When it's there in Pisces, I really feel like it's this beautifully spiritually expansive transit that can really open us up emotionally, open us up to all sorts of spiritual awakenings and spiritual depth. Mm -hmm. That is really exciting. And I think it's really great for anyone who is creative as well, because Pisces is such a creative energy that really loves to put emotions into symbolism, which is art, you know, Mm -hmm. that's that's poetry and music and all of these things are very Pisces-like. So I think it's a beautiful transit for really leaning into creativity as well. And um, so that it, we're we're getting a little taste test of it Mm -hmm. now, like I said, Um, it's going to leave Pisces again uh, in July, but it'll be back in Pisces in December, the very, very end of the year. And it'll be there, I believe, through May. 
And then it'll, you know, because of the retrograde, it kind of dips back in again at the last few months of 2022 as well. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, so I I just think that's a really special and beautiful transit. It only happens every 12 years. And this one is particular. Yeah, so, so that's really special. And the first half of next year, also Jupiter in Pisces is going to be making some really, really cool and special connections with some of the outer planets. And one that I just want to bring up because it's so like cool and I just spiritually and creatively and emotionally, I think it's really special is that Jupiter is going to connect with Neptune in Pisces on April 12th. Okay. So yeah, so that whole, and and, you know, that transit will, will feel those energies longer than just the day of the 12th. Obviously we'll feel it leading up to it and then moving away from it. But um, that is the only time that Jupiter and Neptune are going to conjoin in Pisces in our lifetime, basically. Oh, wow. I think the last, yeah. So like, we'll still, we'll see another Jupiter Neptune conjunction, but in Pisces, the last time that happened was the mid 1800s. Oh, wow. So, and yeah, so it's like every like 150 or plus years, we see that transit. And I think that's so cool because uh, Jupiter is obviously the traditional ruler of Pisces, but Neptune is the modern ruler of Pisces. Mm -hmm. So we've got Pisces two rulers coming together and conjoining in their home sign. And, you know, we've got Jupiter, which is luck, abundance, growth. And then we've got Neptune, which is dreams and intuition and spirituality and creativity. You know, Neptune's like the muse and they're all, they're in this beautiful Pisces, emotional, spiritual energy. So I feel like it's an awesome time again, to just really dive deep into our spirituality, really expand our intuition. Um, It's beautiful for any sort of spiritual growth, but also creative creativity Mm -hmm. I think it's a a time where we can really go deep and get really symbolic with our creativity and our creative expression and um you know Jupiter brings luck wherever it goes and so I I really like to I think whenever times are tough it's nice to embrace Jupiter's energy just Mm -hmm. you know because it brings this sense of abundance and you know it's sort of like take a risk and you'll probably be okay because Jupiter brings a little bit of extra good luck and, and alignment. So yeah, so that's just something I'm really excited about. And I think it'll be a really beautiful time for anyone who wants to lean into that energy creatively or spiritually Mm -hmm. or emotionally. It's just a time of really beautiful growth and expansion and sort of awakening in those areas. I think that sounds really good. I feel like the world needs that right now, especially like we're kind of in this recovery phase from like COVID. And there's like a lot of articles saying like, this is kind of the great resonation. Like people are quitting their jobs and like, you know, they want something more meaningful in their life, but it's kind of like, well, how do we get that? How do we do that? And maybe by that transit and like it also happening in Aries season too, um, I think it's also very beneficial for that extra like push of pioneering you know, oh, energy. Totally. <laughs> we can start creating like those spaces for this new energy that needs a home. And um, I think that's really, really cool. I definitely, I I'm excited that for connection. that. So April 12th. I didn't even think of the, f- yeah, April 12th. I didn't even think of the fact that that does take place in Aries season, which is this time of sort of renewed 
energy. You know, the sun is in Aries and we're all kind of embracing our leadership skills. And Mm -hmm. it's got all of that new beginnings energy because it's the first sign of the Zodiac. So I think that'll be a really beautifully empowering time for everybody to kind of trust their inner selves, their higher selves, and really lean into their intuitive side. I think that's, you know, it's, it's overdue. I think it's always helpful if people have not included their intuition in their worldview. Mm-hmm. We're sort of, it's like not using a limb that you have. It's like, no, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta use your intuition too. It's there yeah. for a reason. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So I'm going to like segue into something, another topic. So um, let's talk about some of these like interesting astrology celebrity relationships that are happening right now. Cause it's, yeah, it's very interesting. We have um, like Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly. We have um, Courtney Kardashian and Travis Baker, um, ASAP Rocky and Rihanna. Like there's just so many. And it's like, of course, you know, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck, like, it's just crazy. I feel like every week there's like some new like celebrity couple and that has either like been friends for a while and have gotten together or like, it's completely like, wait, okay, what? (laughs) They're back together. (laughs) I know. I know. It's been really wild. And we do, I do want to note that we've got a really kind of hot and steamy Venus Mars connection coming up in July. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's on July 17th. And that's sort of like, you know, we've got love planet Venus and then sexuality planet Mars coming together in the dramatic sign of Leo. So we're going to be extra expressive about romance and love and sex and what we want in love. So yeah, so it is It is funny that this is like such a steamy summer with all of this celebrity love drama. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think? Because like, I, f- I feel like all of them have like known each other for a long time. And it's like really right. interesting how it's like, okay, like, you know, why is there like something like in the astrology, like cosmic air that are like having these like celebrities who are like friends decidedly, deciding to be committed? Like, oh, let's take our relationship to the next level. Like, I feel like it's so interesting. That's a great question. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I can't really think of anything or I'm not making any connections off the top of my head about what is affecting all this whole general vibe. But in the case of Benifer, as the internet refers to Ben and Jen, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I had to discovered that there is a really trippy and interesting connection with their relationship tied to the eclipse cycle. Oh, I don't want to say I discovered it, but I, I realized that I'm sure other astrologers have made the connection as well. But yeah, I mean, should we talk about that? Yeah, yeah, let's get into it. I'm really curious about it. Because I just thought it was so interesting how I mean, they're both they're two Leos. So I feel like very passionate. And like, yes, you know, I think that's interesting. But it was just like, I felt like she was just with A-Rod. And then like next week, you see her with Ben. So I was just like, wait a second. Like, whoa, that was a weird switch. There was all that, that that was such that was such a quick switch. And I felt like literally just weeks before that there was all of these articles about how her and A-Rod were working things out and they had released a public Mm -hmm. statement. And then all of a sudden the photos with Ben Mm -hmm. drama. (laughs) Also love that A-Rod is also a Leo. So she's just in this, Mm -hmm. it's all of these Leos. Yes. Yes. 
so let's see. I wrote an article on May 12th about Ben and Jen's astrology. And um, there were a few things like they have some pretty powerful connections like they have in their charts together, their synastry chart. They do have a uh, mutual connections between Venus and Saturn. So Venus, planet of love and romance, and then Saturn, which is this planet of commitment and like long, long term stuff. So Venus and Saturn in a chart connection can really, it can speak to a sense of longevity. Like there's, Mm -hmm. there's lasting power there as far as love and commitment and working hard toward mutual values. So it's, you know, that's, that kind of is like, okay, well, they had some lasting power. It makes sense that there might still be some lingering Mm -hmm. flames going on. But what really blew my mind is that, okay, so eclipses are on these long-term cycles that are often called metonic cycles. So that means that like every approximately 19 years, uh, that's how long these cycles are, eclipses kind of repeat themselves. Okay. So eclipses happen in the same signs in approximately the same place in the zodiac every 19 years. So in 2002, which is when Benifer first got together, back in the Y2K days, Mm -hmm. there was a lunar eclipse in Sagittarius on May 26th and a solar eclipse in Gemini on June 10th. And this year, 2021, which is exactly one cycle later, 19 years later, we had the exact same set of eclipses on the exact same date literally on the same day. Oh my God. That's insane. Yes. So it's like, so eclipses, that's why eclipses can bring up old themes in our lives, which like if, if you're young, you're in your twenties or thirties, like you might not, you know, two decades ago is we were pretty young. So we might Mm -hmm. not have had like really huge (laughs) themes going on in our life. Mm -hmm. However, the fact that their relationship aligned so tightly with these eclipses that were so interconnected, like literally lunar eclipse in Sag on May 26th Mm -hmm. happened in 2002 and 2021. Like, and that was the year that they got together. And then they literally got together right as we entered eclipse season in 2021. Mm -hmm. It's just so interesting that their relationship somehow seems to be kind of tied in with this eclipse cycle you Mm -hmm. know what I mean it's just like trippy and it's also activating like the eclipses activated some pretty important personal planets and their charts so like Venus and Mars Saturn and then Neptune which you know I don't know how much that applies but but yeah so it's not too surprising that it might have activated things for them because the eclipses did take place really close to these important planets in their charts. It's just really trippy to think about in that context, the way, you know, certain relationships with certain people can be sort of tied to these long-term cycles or mm-hmm. short-term cycles in astrology. So it's just so trippy that like, I just feel like it can't be a total coincidence that no. it was so right? So powerfully aligned with that that eclipse cycle. Wow. That is just so crazy. And it just shows like the power of astrology and it's just like these sinistry charts and stuff. And yeah, like we wonder like why close, like tight connection to some people and then like, you know, others, it's like a passing by and it's just like, yeah, it's so, that is so interesting. Cause yeah, when that was happening, I was like, wait, 
Am I like in deja vu? Like, am I back in time? Like, (laughs) what is going on? And then, yeah, and it's like, you know, definitely there's like an astrological meaning behind that. That's really interesting. Definitely. So, yeah. And it's it's funny because Mercury was retrograde too. I think that, I think they're, reunion had more to do with this eclipse cycle but Mm -hmm. mercury retrograde tends to kind of bring blasts from the past sometimes Mm -hmm. too um but maybe not in such a dramatic way yeah this one did yeah wow that is so interesting yeah we'll see for a lot of these like celeb couples it's just like very shocking and surprising it's like kind of catching us like off guard um and Yeah. yeah i kind of feel like you know, this summer is like the summer, I think of like 2018 when with the whole like Hailey Bieber drama with like Selena Gomez, like you remember all that was happening and then it yes. was like Davidson and Ariana Grande. It was like, you know, that oh my was God, that's right. crazy. And then now Ariana Grande like just got married like a couple like weeks ago. So totally. So it was just like, it's interesting how like, I guess with the eclipses, they do have this like crazy cosmic effect with, you know, some of the people that it brings in of these celebrities, but it was just, yeah, just very interesting. I'm like, wow, like it's keeping me on my toes (laughs) for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Who's your favorite celeb couple right now? I don't know. I mean, I really am feeling the ASAP Rocky and Rihanna. Like, I think it's kind of like about time. Like, and that's just I'm ob- I'm obsessed with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't even had a chance to look into that at all. But um, like we were kind of saying before the podcast, um, Rihanna's a Pisces, but a fiery Pisces. Yes. I'm very fiery. Sure she has an Aries. Moon. Yeah. Very fiery Pisces. And then ASAP is a Libra, but I don't know any other placements in his mm-hmm. chart. I just know he's a Libra, but um, I'm kind of obsessed with that union as well. Yeah, that was really interesting. And then he also, I think he was interviewed in like GQ magazine or some magazine. And he was saying that Rihanna was like the love of his life and like confessed like all his love for her, like on a very public platform. And I was like, wow, okay. This is a lot okay. more serious than like what I initially thought when I saw the pictures kind of circulating. And then he like publicly yeah. was like, she's the love of my life. This is, this has been going on for a while more than like the public knows. And it's like definitely that, you know, Pisces energy is like kind of mysterious sometimes. And like Rihanna has mm-hmm. always been mysterious of her relationships, which you know, I think yes. it's good. So it's kind of like, and of course, like, you know, the Libra energy, if I think ASAP is like, <laughs> he's going to be a little bit more public about it, but, but <laughs> right, it's, right. it's definitely, Romantic. I was like really shocked when I like read that. I was like, wow. Okay. I, I hadn't even seen that, but I'm, I just absolutely love that. And I like, I like Libra Pisces energy. I mean, maybe they're not the most compatible signs on paper, I obviously Mm -hmm. we'd have to look at their whole charts, but I do love that Pisces and Libra are both really romantic. Mm -hmm. They really love love. I think they really love to get lost in love. And that's one thing that they both have in common. So I think it can make for a really kind of dreamy relationship or at Mm -hmm. least a really freaking romantic honeymoon phase at the very bare minimum totally and then like aesthetic on point and then like they're both into fashion and the yes. music and i think that like creativity um is something that is like probably that fuel to their relationship totally. and i i mean i think yeah libra and pisces relationships we don't like hype them up enough because i i feel like it is very compatible and um very artistic and creative so i'm i'm definitely yeah. i want to see like where this goes and 
you know, what kind of collaborations they can do on a creative level, I think would be really oh, cool. Oh, totally. I would really love a collab to come out of this, like a musical, uh, some, some kind of musical collab would be really mm -hmm. awesome. I would love to see that. But yeah, I'm like, I'm really excited to look at their charts after this. Absolutely. I know. I'm like, I need to like, like take a deep dive. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I do want to talk about your books. So you have like been pumping out books. I'm like, oh my gosh, like every time, like, I feel like there's a new book coming out. I think that is so awesome. And I have your astrology book. I need to get Joy of Hex, but definitely like your astrology book is so amazing. And I just want to say like, I wish I had your book when I was like a young astrologer, like, you know, figuring out everything and, Aww. you know, I feel like it's definitely like, it's a must have. And it's so well, like organized and like the information is amazing. And I feel like it's hard with like modern day astrology books. Like it's just very surface level and your book is like so amazing. And just, I just want to give you props for that. I, I love it so much. I've been like telling everyone like you need to buy this book. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. That really means a lot. And, um, yeah, it, it is really in depth. It's in depth. It's definitely not just surface I tried to get I tried to make it as accessible as possible for people mm -hmm. who don't know anything about astrology but also in depth enough that people can go away from it really like getting some juice and mm -hmm. and getting more than just the surface level archetypes and kind of maybe understanding some of the nuances and the different ways that different planets or signs can manifest. Obviously, it's still the tip of the iceberg when it comes to astrology, but I wanted it to kind of be, you know, more than just surface, but also still accessible to someone who's a newbie who's mm -hmm. going into it not knowing much. So I really appreciate yeah, it's compliments. It's Thanks. like fabulous. It's like, I was like, oh my God, like this is what the world like needed is, you know, if you're interested in astrology, like you're a beginner baby or like even for me, like I've been studying astrology since I was 12 and I'm like, okay, this is like great. It's like everything, like I just like need it all together and conjoined. So can you kind of tell me about, are you self-published? Like, can you like tell me about like the publishing journey and like kind of getting into making these books a physical thing? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like I have sort of a slightly, actually, you know, I don't know how unusual it is. I was going to say it's an unusual journey, but it might not be. I don't know because I don't have a ton of connections in the publishing and authoring books world. So, you know, I'm still, I still feel new to this. That said, uh, the books came about because actually this publisher reached out to me and they were like, we really like your writing and we're interested in publishing an intro to astrology book. They didn't have anything super specific. They just had sort of a general concept for it and they knew approximately how long they wanted it to be. They knew what they wanted it to be called, Astrology for Life, but they were looking for an author and somebody who could really run with the concept and, you know, bring it to life. So we talked about it. We met about it. I created a table of contents and sort of said, here's what I envision for what, you know, what you're looking for. Here's, here are the ways I would break down the chapters. Here's what I really feel strongly we should include. And um, that's how I came about writing Astrology for Life. So it was unusual in that I didn't, I, I had always hoped to publish a book, but I didn't actually set out 
to Mm -hmm. be like, I'm going to write a book this year. It, in that way, it did kind of fall into my lap and that they Mm -hmm. reached out to me. And obviously there, you know, there are pluses and minuses. The plus is that I got my, my first books published and I'm a published author now. And, you know, some of those books are doing really, really well, which is awesome. Um, The downside to it is that you don't, I, a lot of times if a, if a company comes to you and, and brings mm-hmm. their concept, even though all, everything in the book I wrote, you know, I mm-hmm. made the table of contents because it's their concept. I don't have as much rights over that book as an author. So I'm mm-hmm. not making the kind of royalties on it that mm-hmm. someone who bring, you know, so it was sort of in that way, I guess a trade-off in that, like, I was like, okay, I may not be like, I, I'm, I'm never going to get loaded off this book. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. However, I think it's worth it for me to go for it mm-hmm. and get my feet wet in the publishing world and, and yeah, you know, and write a book. And so the astrology book for as long and hefty as it is, it actually, you know, I, I had a really rigorous writing schedule and it was really, really intense. And I sort of killed myself trying to write these <laughs> books all within like a year's time. But it really flowed. It really flowed. And I hope that that comes through when people read it. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah. Okay. So you mentioned like you had to be very regimented for your writing process. Can you tell me like what your writing process is, even for bustle, like writing your astrology, how do you stay organized and disciplined? Cause I'm sure, you know, it's, it's hard to do that and have those boundaries. Yes. Yeah. It is really hard. And you know, writer's block is real. And so as somebody who writes and often has deadlines where I have to submit something, whether I had writer's block or not, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess the way that I did it was just keep writing, just keep writing. And some days I, you know, I would, I would kind of have with the book, I had to be more regimented because I had a lot to write on a relatively short timeline. And so I had a writing schedule. I'm not naturally the most organized person, but I had to get my act together if I wanted to get this manuscript done at the time that they needed it done by. So I had a word count that I would try to reach uh, on each of my writing days and on weekends, I was, I was working seven days a week for a few months trying to get this book done. So on, Mm -hmm. yeah, on weekends I had less, uh, less words that I would have to write, but on weekdays, especially the few weekdays a week that I was completely devoting to book writing, I, I had larger word count goals and some days it flowed really easily. Other days it was like pulling teeth to, write a page. And on those days, I just had to stick to the mantra. I'm on a mission. Keep Mm -hmm. going, just keep keep writing. And so some days I would write, I would force myself to write and just force words out on the page, even if I was like, this sounds like garbage. This is so not good. This is not flowing, feeling super self critical. Because usually if you force something out, it might require more revision and more reworking mm-hmm. later, but you you have something to work with. You've got something on the page mm-hmm. that you can start pulling the good parts out of and cutting the bad stuff and, you know, really. So just starting somewhere because staring at that blank page can be so 
freaking intimidating and disheartening. And so even if I'm like writing what writing something that will never be seen by anyone because it's so poorly written and not expressive or creative, you know, Mm-hmm. Just forcing myself to get something out on the page and then going back and reworking it later it takes a little more time, but it's better than not getting anything done at all. So that's something that I really learned was just reminding myself that I am on a mission because <laughs> I really was. I was on yeah, a you were on a mission. <laughs> yeah. So that's good to know. So do you have any um, like upcoming projects or like you know books or anything that you want to talk about? Well. Nothing super concrete. Like I said, I definitely hope to have some more books published, but I'm sort of taking my time on those because I really, I really had a big energy output with those last few books, writing them all kind of back to back in a year. Need a little break. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I I don't have anything super concrete, um, but I am kind of working behind the scenes on some exciting stuff that I'm going to bring to my little Instagram community. And um, I'm planning to offer more kind of educational things and sort of more, um, more in-depth offerings where people can connect with me on astrology and learn more about certain astrological concepts that I only sort of am able to brush the surface on in Mm -hmm. an Instagram post or a reel or a TikTok. So I've got some exciting stuff in the works. Okay. So basically keep an eye on my Instagram. And if you vibe with anything I'm saying, feel free to follow me, Valley Girl Mystic, and keep an eye out. Yeah, keep an eye out. And so how can we support you? Like what does support look like for you at this time? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, if anyone is interested in a reading with me, I do offer astrology readings. I have mini readings linked in my Instagram profile. Um, and then I also offer more in-depth readings. So if anybody is interested in a longer reading or a full birth chart reading or anything like that, they can feel free to reach out to me on my Instagram and check out the link in my profile. Yeah. Otherwise, just I really appreciate everyone who engages with me on my Instagram and uh, gets anything out of my books. I love to hear Mm -hmm. from people who have read my books or resonated with my work in some way. So I always invite people to reach out if they have feedback or they just want to share their experience with any of the work that I've written or created. Um, Yeah, I just really appreciate it. Awesome. Yes. And I'll have links for everything in the show notes. So definitely um, look out for that. And yeah, thank you so much, Dina, for everything. This was so much fun and we like covered so much and I'm, yeah, I'm just so excited I was able to have you on and this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun, Majori. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. (laughs) All right, everyone. Bye.